0: Hello, welcome to Say That, the podcast of your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King, I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA.
1: My name is Glenn, I'm not the host.
0: That's accurate. Also joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions.
2: Yeah, Glenn, we have a lot in common. I'm actually not the host either.
0: Yeah. That's true. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
3: Nobody ever asked me to host it. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. Nice work. I like Matt. that you're implying that I asked Glenn and Jed to host it, and they turned it down. <laughs>
3: now you just hurt Lee's feelings. That's what they told me happened. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: If anybody, I, as I will say every week, you let me, if anybody else wants this job, but just nobody does. Well,
1: we there was a, like a whole thing where we had to vote on, on who, and then we all gave Matt a flower.
0: Yeah, that's right. Parliamentary, <laughs> yeah, sure. So he
1: became the... He he became the host.
0: We really spent a lot of money renting that limo to bring you all in one at a time, (laughs) but I think it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, that actually reminds me of something I've been thinking about, and I think it's an emergency. (laughs) It's an emergency.
0: Unintentional segue. Emergency. Oh, my goodness. It's It's the emergency that we just made a bachelor run of bachelor jokes?
2: Yeah. Here's the thing it's time for an intervention. Oh, I love it in a rich. That's uh, my wow. Are we trying thing. to
0: cover all the reality shows this morning? Somebody's
2: singleness is getting out of hand. Oh, whoa.
1: That's true. Fellas, I'm hurt. Well, I'm not single, so it's not me. No, and no, Lee, are you single? Dude, I'm as married as a man
2: can be. All right. Now, I know. I know I'm married.
1: I mean, I'm still on week to week probation, but so <laughs> sure. so far I'm good.
0: You haven't been cut from the
1: organization yet. No. Yeah, I'm good. We got
0: close a couple of times. Well,
2: you know what that means.
0: Contract renegotiations. <laughs> they yeah. sent you
2: back down to the farm team. Yeah, I, I, I'm like. Triple A marriage.
1: Yeah, it's like s- spring training for me. I just sure. keep trying to make the team. Sure,
2: you know. sure. You're in those batting cages. Batting just all day about long, 220. Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think that, lot leaves of hustle. only one person who could be single.
0: Let me check my left hand. Oh, it must be me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is you. Is that Matt? causing a problem yeah, in Matt. your life? Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Matt? It is. It is the cost of a problem How is that? in my life, Glenn. I know what you. I know you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. I feel lately like Matt is being single at
1: me. Whoa! It's it's like he's taking his singleness and rubbing it in our face.
0: This is what I'm talking metaphorically, about, yeah. metaphorically.
1: Because uh, you know, we'll be sitting around and talking about you know, and we're all blessed. We have right wonderful marriages
2: yeah with women that are way out of all
1: of our leagues yeah totally and
0: i about... to think this emergency is just an opportunity for everyone to score points to their wife at my expense yeah well so you know what the
1: rules of the intervention are you don't get to talk till the end
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah sit back down on the
1: couch dude <laughs> you, you have to wait till we give you the conch
0: shell <laughs> <laughs> that's how that goes yeah I' notice when you make a Lord of the fries reference and I'm the only one in the room not wearing glasses. that's a little weird, yeah anyway, so Give what happens is that. He jokes drink his blood you know we,
1: much we talk about uh <laughs> what you know the ups and downs Tastes of like married burning. life and what happens is matt says. You know, I. You know what I. What it's like to be single. It's awesome. Yeah. Is that what I
0: say? Yeah. Something like
1: that. Yeah. It's like, whoa, dude. That's uncool. Do
0: you that, occasionally hear that I'm saying it, but in your voice with my mouth closed? It's sort of. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. The yeah.
2: other day, it's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go home, eat pork rinds, play some Madden. That's right.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't eat pork it's, rinds. Don't have a video game system. But sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like what he's doing
0: symbolically. Yeah
1: is laying around in his underwear scratching himself and just watching TV. <laughs> that's
0: yes. what I'm talking symbolically, about. Symbolically, that's only happening symbolically.
1: He could he you know I, we talk about sports. He says, "You know what happened to me? I watched the whole game from beginning to end." Yeah. Yeah. Nobody came in and interrupted me or nothing.
2: Must be nice, Matthew.
1: Yeah. I think he's using his singleness as an excuse to make us miserable.
2: Well, I think there's there's only one cure, which is to say, ladies of the Say That listenership, mm. can't, you, can't you help us out? Won't you date, man? Won't you please just end his terrible, lonely singleness? I
0: mm. think Sarah McLaughlin's going to sue somebody. Come on, girl. I mean, y'all,
2: y'all know what we're talking about here. It's like, you know, it's like, dang, girl. he needs love.
1: Dang, internet, girl.
2: He needs your sweet, sweet digital love.
1: Sweet love, girl. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, when you, wait, when you, you, you say, did you? No no, 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 no. Because I got a few. No, I'm
0: wondering. No. If you don't understand why we're laughing like hyenas, congratulations on being a good person. We are not. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, but please get back to your unhinged ranting. I'll <laughs> forget that ever happened. Date Matt,
1: please date Matt live and in person. Would you? Which is, I think, part of what Jed was saying.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes that is what is i was the saying. furthest off the rails we've ever gone please date man.
2: look i want to be very clear Matt's singleness makes me feel bad about myself and for that reason you should date matt look i
1: love being married sure theoretically on the sure. record and it's a wonderful thing now it's also a fact that being married has caused me to age at roughly twice the normal <laughs> speed
0: it's like when you see the photos of people and they become president, and like three years later, they look like they've aged twenty-five years.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's essentially what's happening to me. Uh, it's 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 lovely. You Does your day
2: begin every day with a with a threat briefing? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, and it's you know you 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 know the. But what's happening is you look over at Matt, it's like, uh, you know what it is? Tell me. It's like marital Dorian Gray. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, every day I get older, he gets younger he's single. Do you sometimes single.
2: feel as though he is actively stealing your life force yes.
1: to fuel his eternal youth? I think that's basically what's going on is that's what it's like when Matt is single. Yeah. Well one yeah, thing here is
0: that like sure. I, you're killing me your well, considering someone asked me if I was 30 the other day 27 but you know
3: well we, when we started the podcast you know we ramped up the Skype machine I noticed that Matt's beard was gone yeah and I didn't not know gone. if that was just he was just throwing that in everybody's face I can be bearded I can be unbearded yeah it it doesn't even matter I just Yes. Well, I'm a little
0: terrified to be fully unbearded because we've never done the podcast that way, and I'm afraid I wouldn't be funny.
3: No, what, well, you, you do Drill draw. Samson
0: situation.
1: Yeah, you do po- draw power from your beard. no but, doubt about
0: that. Science fact. Uh,
1: but here's what I'm trying to say is, in my household, if I were to make a facial hair configuration change. Yeah. I've got to submit that for approval.
2: Dude, true homes- that. That
1: is not a joke.
3: Am man. I wrong?
2: That is marital truth, in, right notice
3: there. Notice of intent to groom. There's a, yeah. yeah, there's a there. Look, there's a pocket veto. There's a straight up veto.
1: You got to send it back to committee. Exactly and like, right. Thing, you know, exactly joint right. Joint resolution.
3: When it comes, Glenn had a goatee that was
0: filibustered for most of the late '80s. <laughs> I couldn't, get,
1: I couldn't
2: get it past. When it comes to my hair, understand? Yeah. There's three people with input, right. And I am the least in that, right? The gal at the supercuts gets a say. Yeah. My wife gets a say. Yeah. And my job is to say, oh, okay, that that sounds good to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. in well, a tremulous pay. voice. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, sure. Uh, that that's You're, you're really
1: there just to to hand over the money. And, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Matt, if he wants to do something funky with his hair.
1: He do not he don't, And I do. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know me.
0: <laughs> Matt Fabulous King. That's what they call him. He,
1: he can go. He could just faux
0: hawk it right Working now. Working on the flock of seagulls right now. <laughs> he could do that. No one's got There's anything to say so much moose. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. He's just he doesn't care what we have to deal with. Not at all.
2: You know another thing that doesn't happen it's to the Matt first
0: thing true you said today. Yeah. <laughs> Matt I <laughs> He
3: doesn't care what happens to us <laughs>
2: Here's another thing that Matt doesn't have to put up with. What's that? I bet that in Matt's life, he has like a favorite T-shirt. Right. Maybe he's had it for a while. Yeah. Maybe there's holes in it. Right. You know, but it's comfortable.
1: It's broken. It's broken.
2: It's like a part of him. <laughs> he's
1: got it right where he
2: wants it. He doesn't have to <laughs> live in the perpetual fear that a regime will simply disappear that garment at a moment's which, notice.
1: Which has happened. Yes. <laughs> to every married man, you, if you let me tell you what's going to happen, if you're not married right now. You're going to come home one day, find your sweet, darling, beloved wife cleaning the furniture with your favorite T-shirt. Believe it. And that's when you have to decide where your priorities are and what, the, and how it goes down and <laughs> which is, is what. Yeah. And, you know, and you have to deal with
0: that. It's like she doesn't even care that you saw Van Halen in 78.
1: This is what I'm saying. And when we say you have to deal with
2: it, I mean you have to go – Thank you for cleaning, dear.
0: The
1: house looks
3: lovely. <laughs> hey, you know on, what happens
1: if you don't? You're cleaning. <laughs> That's right. Let me we tell tell you can't though, live in that world. There's a, there's
3: a whole other level to that, because once the children come in the house, if you want an Oreo, you have to keep that thing under lock and key, my friend. Okay, preach, brother. Tell me how it look, is. You, if you, look, if you want... Uh, let me talk. Let me tell you that. Scotch tape, uh, AA batteries, cookies, any kind of gummy anything... Yeah, you got you got to make sure you put that stuff so high up that the child will be in mortal peril if they go for it, that they can never ever see it. And Matt, he can just leave Oreos on the couch.
2: Oh, uh, in, in Matt's wow. house, it's just you know it's Oreos just everywhere. My carpeting everywhere.
3: is made of Oreos at this point. That's <laughs> yeah. fair.
0: Yeah. He doesn't care. It costs a lot, but it's worth it. He's
1: in his underwear, he's eating Oreos, watching sports, scratching himself, and wearing just, his favorite T-shirt. It's like a. It's just like a paradise over there. This aggression well, will not stand. We cannot have this going on. Ladies,
0: please date Matt.
1: Just date him already.
2: What?
0: Yeah, who if wouldn't you... want to be a part of it after that mental image you drew?
1: Yeah.
0: If You're he, kind of counterproductive on your own mission here, buddy. <laughs> he, he's scratching himself. watching in sports stop saying that? And needs to be
1: <laughs> needs to be civilized. And he needs his whole spirit to be crushed.
2: He has Oreo crumbs like working horse. their way into every crevice yes. and <laughs> nook and cranny.
0: What is wrong with you, man? <laughs> what it just happened? I'm disgusted by myself, slightly more so than normal.
1: Well, you know, on the upside, Oreos do taste delicious. Uh, lick
3: looking yeah.
1: clean. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh god! All right, somebody needs to say emergency and, off. We are- and that's what Christian marriage is all about.
2: <laughs> You're welcome, the internet.
0: <laughs> I'd like to apologize for this week's emergency, even more than usual. <laughs> no one's hurt more than me. I hope you enjoy that, Internet. Now
2: that we have thoroughly punished Matt for being single, I finally I feel like a weight's been lifted off of my shoulders, and I can say, emergency off. Emergency
3: off. Sure.
0: I think we can all agree the show's funnier when I'm single.
2: <laughs> I feel much,
1: much, I feel lighter. Yeah, that's right. I, I feel like a yeah. load has been lifted.
0: All right, well, I'm horrified. Like, I think we should all try to, just as a group, get through that trauma that just happened. i like to talk to you about Bridgebox, because that's my job.
1: Nice segue.
0: Have horrible things be said, and then get to talk about ministry. That's my life. Welcome. Bridgebox, lots of cool stuff. $8 a month. Help keep missionaries on the field, in the jailhouse, in the street. World-class missions, world-class stuff for your own walk. $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash bridge box. all right we go to our first question if you hang out with us all the way to the end we'll give you uh, some addresses where you can write in questions all right our first one came in anonymously to our tumblr it says how do you use the bible i always have this want to get into it and read but whenever i do i feel lost and don't know where to go where do i start lee can you kick us off
3: yeah absolutely um <clears throat> i love this question and uh and I'm thankful that you wrote it in. And I th- when you get down to it, I think a lot of people have this same question. In fact, when, uh, when you talk to uh, young Christians, and, and even, even Christians that have been walking with the Lord for a long, long time, a lot of them will say from, you know, from time to time, they just aren't getting a lot out of their, their kind of you know, time with the Lord, or some people call it a quiet time or devotional or whatever. And there's so many different things you can do, and it's such a it's such a unique and uh, individual thing. But I love this this uh, I love how you start this question. How do how do you use the Bible? I think that's such a cool thing. It, seeing the Bible as something like I I, I want to know how to read it, but I want to have the right goal. And I feel like that's where you start the question out. What's what's the goal here? And I think one thing that's really really important to understand and I think this is where a lot of Christians get tripped up. I actually, wrote about this recently on the on the Tumblr blog and <clears throat> which I don't know if you guys know. I have it's I, somewhat popular. I I do have a blog. It's it's definitely it's not as popular as some blogs. Well, yeah.
2: But uh, Lee, yeah. I think your blog to me it's very popular in my heart.
3: Dude, th- thanks for that, man. I mean you know,
1: you mean in your heart, but not in the real world. <laughs>
0: wow. wow! It is as as all our blogs are popular enough to make Glenn feel insecure. Minus one follower.
3: <laughs> well played. Nice. nice. Well played. Uh, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, how's it taste, Lee? Uh, Get interrupted with inappropriate stuff. Thank you. Uh, so yeah. So, so on the, on the Tumblr thing, I was talking about this concept of one thing that happens to a lot, a lot, a lot of Christians is that they, they feel like the goal of my quiet time, the goal of when I, when I open up the Bible to read it, here's what I expect to happen. I expect the heavens to split open the clouds to be rolled back like a scroll the sun to come shining down and uh, for all the of the hallelujah my problems chorus to, suddenly to queue up do what the hallelujah chorus. Yeah, the off. hallelujah chorus. Thank you. And all of my problems will suddenly uh, disappear. My confusions will dry up. I, I will be galvanized to meet all my temptations and problems and all that kind of stuff. In short, every single time I open up the Bible to read it, I'm going to... The earth is going to move under my feet. I'm going to have this amazing spiritual spiritual experience, and I'm going to be so close to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes when you go to spend time with Jesus and you read his word, sometimes you're going to really feel stuff. Sometimes you're going to have an emotional moment. Sometimes you're going to, some things are going to clear up. You're going to feel an answer to prayer, that kind of thing. It's not going to be every time. And I think the one thing that's really, really important is that we want to get the right goal. And that's what I love about your question. So what what is the point of getting by myself and and, and spending some time in the Bible? And that goal is... Like, going to spend time with Jesus, reading his words, um, it's not so that you'll have this amazing spiritual experience, it's so that you'll spend time with Jesus. In in other words, the point of spending time with Him is not for the earth to move under your feet. The point of spending time with Him is to spend time with Him. It's to build that relationship. And sometimes He's going to give you a word of wisdom. Sometimes He's going to encourage you about yourself. Sometimes He's going to guide you into the next thing you ought to do. It's not going to be the earth-shattering thing every single time. I'll give you some quick little practical things. One thing is, if you've never really gotten into the Bible very much... uh, one thing you want to do is, like I was talking about at the beginning, relax your expectations about how emotional and amazing and what the experience is going to be like, and just realize I'm going to hang out with Jesus. That's my goal. I'm going to go hang out with him. That's what, that's, that's what I'm doing here. And then what I would say practically is go to the New Testament, Okay, that's a big book, it's full of a lot of things, and a lot of it is very, very confusing, hard to deal with, but uh, hard to understand. But I would start in the New Testament, and this is just a suggestion, it's just kind of a random, just picking something at random. Maybe open like the book of John, for instance, and just say, I'm not even going to read like a whole chapter. If you'll notice, the the chapters in a book like John, one of the gospel stories about Jesus' life and ministry and death and resurrection is that each chapter is broken up into different acts, like act one, act two, act three, you know, different little paragraphs or episodes. Read maybe one of those episodes. Read it a couple times and ask yourself a question. What is Jesus doing? What was cool about what happened? And do I see myself anywhere in this story? That's just a couple of cool questions to ask yourself. Open it up, read an episode in the book of John or the book of Mark, and just ask yourself those questions. What is Jesus up to? Am I in this anywhere? Is it saying anything to me? Read it a couple times and see if something jumps out at you. If the earth doesn't move under your feet, just tell Jesus, hey, it was cool just reading and hanging out with you. Uh, Give me something next time. Uh, I I think a huge part of that is relaxing our expectations so that we can have the goal of just being together with Jesus, and and then we're not expecting every single thing to happen at once, and we can relax and actually enjoy that time with him. Absolutely. Glenn?
1: Yeah, when I uh, first started uh, 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 preaching, uh, I was uh, in a jail environment, uh, started uh, you know, uh, preaching to the guys there, and uh, the guy who's in charge asked me to bring the message on Sunday uh, for the inmates, and he said, I want you to preach, and I was real excited because I had a lot of cool things to say and really deep thoughts, and he said, I'd like you to preach on John 3.16. I was kind of bummed out because You know, it's kind of everybody knows it. There's nothing to it, really. It's pretty point blank. So I thought probably he's trying to hold me back and keep me from being awesome. Uh, So I went in there and tried to make a meal out of it, and that was pretty tough. But I stretched it out and really got some stuff to it, and it went well, and the guys liked it, and everything's great. So the the chaplain said, I want you to come back, preach again to the guys next week, and I want you to preach on John 3.16. I said, oh, that's, wait, you actually got confused. I pre- just preached on that this week. You probably want me to preach on something else next week. And he says, no, no, I, I want you to preach on the exact same verse next week. And that was when I was sure he was trying to hold me back and keep me down because I'm so awesome and amazing. And so I struggled and I stretched and I clawed and hustled and did everything I could and managed to squeeze another sermon out of John three sixteen. finished it, came back, and sure enough, he had me preach that same verse for a month in that place. And his point about it, and and i certainly discovered it as true, that there was more and more and more and more to discover, that you kept getting deeper and deeper, and you get more and more out of it. That's what's awesome about the Bible. That's what you need to focus on as you go in on it. If your mentality is, I want to be able to grasp it all, you're going to have uh, problems there. It's That's not the quite the thing. There's always gonna be more depth to it, and that's good, and that's cool. So you have two big ways of going at the Bible if you wanna study the Bible. One is, I'm gonna plow through. I'm just gonna get, you know, from just go from north to south on this thing, just get through it. I'm not gonna understand a lot that's in there, but I will have sort of a point of reference for it all. I'll I'll have a, a sense of what it is in the big picture. Um, if you want to do that, I would suggest you get a really easy to read translation. I personally love uh, the New International Reader's Version, NIRV. Uh, the message is a great, message translation is a great choice for that. But it's great for just plowing through, just getting through this thing and reading north to south. Uh, that's one way to go. And the other alternative to that is to intentionally do a fairly deep dive to look at this thing and say, we're going to, you know, take a look at the book of Hebrews, and we're going to get in there, and we're going to dig deep. Uh, what I would suggest on that is get a group. If you Get a, a, a group of buddies, uh, friends around you. It's always easier to read, let's say, a passage or, you know, a set of verses there. Look at it and say, okay, he referenced, uh, you know, Isaiah. I don't know who that is. You can simply get somebody on a laptop and Wikipedia and you'll get that information, and that's that's good stuff. That works. Um, You know, you you, uh, may have a a verse in there that's a little tricky, and you can look at a uh, study Bible. You can buy an NIV study Bible and look that up and get a sense of that phrase and whatever. So you can all kind of do a little bits and pieces of research there and and, and, uh, report into the group, and as a group, kind of speed that process up. So you can do either that plowing through or that deep dive, and and again, doing that stuff as a group can often help you with that. And if you, the the other quick thing is uh, that I'll end on is this idea that I, I think people feel like uh, if I start in the New Testament, as Lee was suggesting, that I'm skipping some yeah. whatever. I'm not starting at the beginning stuff. Uh, the 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 unusual thing about the way the Bible is where it is. The most important stuff for us in our walk as Christians is that New Testament piece. I mean, it's really the essential stuff. So I think if you look at any of those first four books in the New Testament, those are the Gospels, and those each tell the story of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pick one of those. Mark's the shortest if you want to go with that. John's kind of the longest. But you pick one of those four, and then Romans and Hebrews— uh, you're going to get the 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 quickest uh, sort of overview of Christianity and what it's all about. So if you want to start somewhere, I would start there. It's a great point, Jed.
2: Uh, great question, man. And we, we really appreciate it. And uh, one of the things I, I hope that you're hearing from both Lee and Glenn's answer and from the stuff I'm about to tell you is that there are a lot of different ways to go about reading the Bible, and they're all cool, and they all yield kind of different things. And that's okay, and that's good. That's that's as it should be. And one of the things, that, just so you know, that I really admire a lot about your question is being honest about, you know, I don't know a lot about this book. Uh, for right. what for whatever reason, we live in, in a time period where... Um, Christians almost use Bible knowledge as like their equivalent of cool points. You know, the more Bible knowledge you have, you know, yeah. the more the more cool you are, which is kind of absurd. Um, but that leads to a lot of people pretending like they know a lot more than what they do. Um, and I really admire you saying, look, I don't, I don't know a lot about this. I'm, I'm not really sure uh, where to start. And I would agree with everything Leah said. I'd agree with everything that, that Glenn has said. One other thing I'll just throw quickly into the mix I think is a great idea is there are a lot of – there are a shockingly high number of Bible references in everyday life. Um, you know, you you, you know, you you're reading you know a story on CNN, and they say, well, this was a real David versus Goliath situation. Well, hit pause and say, do do I really know that story? I mean, I know what people mean when they say it's David versus Goliath, but do I do I actually know that story? And if the answer is no, go read it. Um, there's sure. there that's a great motivation to say, you know what, I should I, I should do that. And the great thing about stories is that um, they're stories. You can just you can kind of read them, and um, a lot of stories in the Bible don't. They don't have, like, that satisfying ending of a Hollywood movie, but they're really cool because there's a lot of amazing stuff happening in them. So, you know, if you read that CNN article... Go read up on David and Goliath. If you hear somebody say, you know, uh, you know, she was a total Bathsheba, go read the story of Bathsheba. You know, uh, um, if you if you hear somebody uh, talking about, you know, I don't know. The prodigal
0: Son Returns.
2: The Prodigal Son Returns. You know, go uh, uh, go read the story of the Prodigal Son. You know, people say, you know, look, I'm not asking anybody to walk on water here. I'm just saying, you know, we got to, you know, work hard. Go read the story of Jesus walking on the water. Uh, what, again, I hope you hear from, from all of us is there's a lot of ways to read the Bible, and they're actually... They're, they're all good stuff. The, the one thing that Glenn mentioned that I really want to key in on for you is find a version of the Bible that you can understand. Right. Um, uh, uh, I'm guessing a little bit from your question that uh, um, English may not be your first language, and particularly if that's true. And, and I should say we have a a a a lot, a lot, a wide range a lot of of folks internationally that listen to this podcast. If English isn't your first language and you're trying to read the Bible in English, that's all the more reason to get a translation that's very easy for you to understand. Uh, Christians can act like there's some sort of weird Um, bonus points you get off of reading the King James Version. Um, no one on this podcast agrees with that at all. Right. Um.
0: Well, you see, Jed, the King James Version was written in the past, and that's when the Bible happened. Totally. So it's like, it's almost the same thing. It's now 1,600 years later.
2: Matthew, King James is the version Jesus read. So, (laughs) you know, let's... Uh, but but find find a version um that you understand that's easy for you to get into like lee said um you know uh, uh, focus on what really spurs your walk with Jesus like glenn said you know uh, focus on getting some good overall overarching understanding and then focus on the things that just spur your curiosity if you'll do that you will be in great shape and you'll new you will know way more bible than most christians do
0: absolutely i'll make two real quick points here at the end um one is about translations, that idea that Jed just put out. Like you said, a lot of uh, Christians have pet translations, and they like to get into academic arguments about what's more accurate. Here's the idea. Mm. If, you, if, you, if there's a translation of the Bible that you see on a bookshelf at a mainstream store, it's fine. Yeah. It may not be perfect, but as we're saying, NASB, NIV, NIRV, ESV, whatever. It's all at that point, it's all a matter of taste. If it got published, we are as hard on the Christian book industry as anyone Fairly or unfairly, fairly, but uh, if it's a Bible translation that's hit the mainstream shelves, it's fine. There's yeah. not going to be anything in there that's yeah. wildly throws off your walk. Another uh, thing I would point out that technology has given us is maybe you're not someone who learns by reading, like the actual act of reading, really well. One thing um, Lee I know has used and has turned a lot of people in his life onto is they do audiobooks of the Bible. Mm-hmm. They yeah. do. There's. I'm sure there's some kind of LibriVox free podcast of the Bible. And, uh, you, you know, if you go on a run, if you got to commute, if you, you know, have your headphones in, grocery shopping, you know, obviously if you're listening to the podcast, you, you kind of like audio entertainment, do that. That helps. You can rewind. Absolutely. You can stuff you miss. That's that's all very cool. And one last recommendation on this. Um, I like that Jed was talking about story. And it sounds odd, but we recommend it all the time. There's a book called The Jesus Storybook Bible.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. By yeah. a lady
0: called Sally Lloyd-Jones, who if you listen to Lee's Ancient and New podcast, which is about the Bible, so that's a good reference. As well, but he did an interview with uh, her and it's a, gr- it's a great book. It is a children's Bible, but it's written very well. And it's written around the idea that Jesus is the center point of the whole Bible. So if like we're saying, if you have a hard time understanding those old Testament stories, it gives you a really good framework for that. There's actually a really cool audio version of that. So um, like we're saying, there's no one way to do it. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. Lee?
3: Yeah. One, The last thing on this is, uh, as, as we, we we joke around about it a lot, but all, of, all four of us guys do have blogs, and we do write a lot of materials every single week, either answering questions or just devotional materials. And we always, you know, we'll mention scriptures in there, and if you don't have a lot of experience, uh, just you know, w- when you're reading through posts, go through and look up those scriptures and see if see if you think we're on about what we're talking Favorite about.
0: BibleGateway.com is great for that.
3: It's, absolutely, it's just a, f- you're a free website. You can go check out whatever and whatever uh, you know, whatever translation you want to, and, and whatever language you speak. And so we're we're you know we're always referencing different verses and stuff like that in the in the in the materials that we put out. So so go check out the blogs and 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 then cross reference the stuff we're talking about.
0: But check out Glenn's the most, because it's really popular. It's um, it's quite popular. <laughs> That's a lot of pause there. All uh-huh. right, we're going to move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, Jed's already preparing to laugh at me. It says, does oral sex count as sex?
2: And oh. with that, every young person in the universe <laughs> leaned
0: forward. <laughs> For those of us who lived through the late 90s, we remember this question coming up a lot in Polite Conversation. Okay, does oral sex count as sex? It sounds like a silly question, but really, a woman can't get pregnant from it, so does it count as sex by definition? Also, sexual pleasure can be satisfied in many different ways, not just physically. I'm going to go ahead and save all three of these guys some time. That's not true. (laughs) Would it be wrong to satisfy mine or my girlfriend's sexual urges through other means besides baby-making sex? I know this is a lot of sex questions, but really, once in a romantic relationship, who wouldn't want it? If my girlfriend and I, or I are okay with it, why not? Here to tell us why not, Uncle Glenn Fitzgerald. Oh, I get to go first on the oral sex question. It probably doesn't have anything to do with the emergency about me being single. Yeah, you should just know that.
1: okay. Uh, I see how I'm it I'm not goes a spiteful then. person, but if
0: you could answer this question, that'd be great. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay, here's the thing. Um uh, first of all, uh, uh, <laughs> oral sex counts as sex because you could tell because it's got the word sex in it. That's right how there. you could tell. But does
0: salt water count as water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, the, you know, uh, sexual stuff refers to a whole wide range of, of stuff. Uh, we won't go into uh, uh, detail on that There's, despite the fact that I would love to. No. Nope. Um, uh, so there's that. Uh, I think the, the question that you're asking is about intercourse. You now, when we talk about intercourse, we're talking about the baby-making stuff. Uh, and if you're not familiar, that's when a man and woman love each other very much.
0: Ask your parents. And, and they, they
2: share a special kind
0: of hug?
1: They hug in a very special way. Which ah. causes
0: the stork to bring a baby?
1: Yeah, they they hug and then they really Savage
0: patch. They, and they hug
1: involved. in a more excited way. And they get more and more excited about that hug, and then <laughs> then stork. then wrap then, it up. Then babies come. So, uh, <laughs> you know the yeah that worked on multiple levels. Thank you both. <laughs> the, uh, the this is what happens with. Um, uh, intercourse, intercourse outside of marriage is a sin. The Bible's super clear about that. We want to be super clear about that. Uh, the, uh, the idea of doing the stuff that makes babies and brings babies into the world needs to be done, uh, by married people who have a marriage where they're, you know, uh, you know, the marriage itself is, is ready to receive babies, you know, that kind of deal. Uh, so, Let's be clear on that part. Let's we can stake that out and say intercourse outside of marriage. That's something the Bible is very clear about. Here's the thing that the Bible is not clear about: everything else. Okay. Uh, from moral sex on down, the Bible is not clear about having, let's say, an orgasm, which is the ending part of the special hug thing which uh, also happens in other sexual activities, uh, which makes it confusing. but uh, the Bible does, does not talk about uh, or, uh, orgasms specifically. It doesn't uh, uh, the, the Bible doesn't talk about uh, any of the rest of the range of physical stuff from kissing all the way you know up to this question about oral sex. So uh, what that does is it creates a, a dynamic where the Lord, uh, wants to lead in that yeah. in an individual way yeah. there's a number of these kinds of areas in the bible where the bible isn't specifically saying this is the one and only right way to do this and it's because uh different people need to be led in different ways it's almost wants,
3: like god wants a relationship with you glenn and he wants it, a relationship it, with me as exactly. and we're different people and so that relationship <laughs> might not be the exact same thing
1: Exactly right. I mean, if you think about it, I don't care for that kind of talk. Yeah, and there there may be a let's imagine an imaginary couple out there. God might say, "Hey, these two are kind of young and hormones are churning and whatever. Maybe it'd be good for these two to keep it cool for a while and not get into the physical stuff and whatever." Now, that might change if they have been dating for, let's say, a year or so, and they're really committed and they've got a really healthy relationship. The Lord might move that line of how far is too far uh, to, to something a little further along. Well, let's say these two people are engaged to be married and that wedding will happen next week. Well, the Lord may move that line again. Now, here's another scenario. Imagine these two people... And um, you know they're a little overly focused on the physical. It might be in a It might be on the right side of the line, but they're overly focused on it. It's kind of consuming too much of the focus, and they're not praying together. They're not getting into the word together, and that's and they're just sort of uh, you know overly obsessed with that stuff. The Lord might come in and say, you know what, I want to move that line back again to get the priorities back. So that adjustment. Uh, and, and letting the Lord lead in that is super important because what that's going to do is it's going to get you in the right place, uh, with the whole of your relationship and make sure that this is uh, done in a healthy way. And it's really, really, really important because what you want to do is go into your marriage without any real regrets in this area. If that's at all possible and feel like you handle that well so that once you get married, it's like, let's do this, let's you know, we 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 were you know, we handled this properly and now we get to just enjoy it and go nuts. And I think it, that's the goal that we would have for you, is to let the Lord tell you where that line is. Totally, Judd.
2: Well, I, I want to pick right up where Glenn left off, because I think there's you know something really, really super key there, which is, I think, my friend, and we appreciate your question, and, and we want to take you seriously. Sure, um, yeah. And uh, the question
1: back to you is— And we're not uh, we're not blushing at this either. Oh, not you, you, at all. You can't ask—because we, we get asked this stuff in real life.
2: No,
0: Absolutely. we joke, but it takes uh, a lot more than this to horrify us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
2: So here's my question back to you is, do you actually want God to be in charge of your relationship? Right. Right. And it's okay to say no. Right. I mean, it's not righteous to, but it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to look down on you. Because here's what you need to know, is that about 99% of uh, dating couples, Christian or not, are um, having sexual intercourse. Right. I mean, um, if, you, if you have a, a, a couple that has uh, been dating, you know, for more than a couple weeks that are not, you know, having sex with each other, that's in the, in American culture anyway, that's in the extreme, extreme minority. I mean, just so what there's a couple things you need to know is that uh, when you see, because I'm sure, you know, if you go to a church, or you're involved with some kind of campus ministry or whatever. Um, most of the people that talk to you about how they're saving it for marriage are lying to you. Um, they're, they're not. Uh, if they're if the I'm just telling you statistically what the odds are. I mean, if they're in a dating relationship, the odds are extremely, extremely high that they're having sex. Um And uh, the other category, uh, uh, which is only in Christian circles, uh, are people who are also not letting God be in charge of their relationship, but they're going in the opposite direction. Uh, They're saying the safest thing, the most important thing uh, uh, to to keep everything above board is we will do absolutely nothing. Um, We will not hold hands. We will not kiss. We will not do anything. And that, that will be safe.
0: To quote that great theologian George Bluth, no touching.
2: No touching. Um, and here's the thing to know about that is uh, uh, Jesus is not calling you to be safe.
1: Yeah, and if you're ignoring Jesus, don't don't say that's safe.
2: Yeah. Um, if if you're saying I think you know sex is dirty and so I don't really want to have anything to do with it, so our first kiss will be at the altar and uh, we'll just assume God's down with that. What you need to know is that's just as messed up as going too far in the opposite direction. Yes, there there's nothing righteous about that. You're 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 serving your own desires. You're just serving your desires for safety rather than your desires for sexual release or your
0: desire to seem Christianer than other people. Oh hello.
2: Yeah, abs- absolutely right, absolutely right. So uh, the the real question for you my friend is do you want god to be in charge of your relationship right. um, if you do then it comes down to what glenn said which is seeking him on a regular basis for the specific boundaries that make sense for your specific situation um and um trying to be faithful with those and recognizing that if it's a long-term relationship those boundaries are going to shift over time or at least they're very very likely to there are some people out there, I'm sure, where the Lord would instruct them. I don't want anything physical of any kind going on, and I think there are definitely people, and these would be, generally speaking, older people with with a, a longer term, more serious relationship, where the Lord would probably want those boundaries to go quite a bit farther than you might expect. Um, but that needs that needs to be His say and. Um, that all comes down, again, to the decision of if you actually want God to be in charge of your relationship. I'll tell you two quick things about that, and then I'll, I'll throw it back to Matt. The first is if you decide you actually want God to be in charge of your relationship, you are in the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority. Right. No one is doing that. Understand, man, nobody, not uh, college, not Christian colleges, not at church, not anywhere, no one is trying to let God call shots over the relationship. Nobody's doing that. So you're in the extreme minority. But thing number two is you're not going to regret it. I promise you, you will not regret it. We uh, do a certain amount, and a lot more than you'd expect, we do a certain amount of... Um, marriage counseling with people uh, when, when their marriage really, really runs into a brick wall, uh, they come and talk to us, um, uh, and, and hope that no one notices when that happens, and I can tell you right now, and I know Glenn can back me up when I tell you this, we see plenty of problems from people who went farther than they wanted to, um, and regret it and they have a lot of shame we see just as many problems from people who did not go far enough yeah. um and had no form of physical intimacy um of any kind yeah,
1: they they had a self-imposed limitation and that self-imposed limitation has created problems in their marriage that's exactly right yeah.
2: we we see huge problems from both of those uh, right. uh things and that's why i say if you'll let the lord call shots on your relationship
3: you will not regret it
0: yeah it's absolutely great point lee
3: well I, I totally agree with what the way the guy, these guys have lined this thing out and the the uh the last thing that I would say on this thing is just um for folks who are listening to this who um you know you've already had you've already had a relationship that went way out of hand um that 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 got way out of control and got got away from you um maybe you just you know you just weren't You just weren't ready for it and you didn't have the conversations and all of a sudden you're, uh, you're, you're in the situation. You didn't want this and, and now you feel like I've got this past and, and now I'm damaged goods or whatever, you know, what, what, whatever kind of stuff you've heard or whatever kind of stuff you're afraid of. Know that, um, that if you, uh, that, that Jesus loves you absolutely, that you have grace that covers everything that you've ever done. Your past is erased. You are uh, in him. You are righteous and clean and forgiven. You're his kid. You cannot be more acceptable to him than you are right now. And the only thing he wants to do is go forward into the next day. He doesn't want to talk Amen. about your past. He doesn't want to uh, mull over. He doesn't want you to feel guilty about it. He doesn't want you to feel any shame about it. And for those people that are in relationships where uh, the, you're still in the dating relationship, you've you've already gone too far on the thing, but you decide today, listening to what Jed said, you're thinking, that's what I want. I want that thing where, uh, where 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 God calls the shots on the thing. I've never done that before, and I'm afraid of trying it, and we've already screwed this thing up. Is that possible for me, even though we've never Done that so far, Jed's saying it's the minority of the minority. Of my, can I join that minority? Yes, you can today. Yeah. You can absolutely right now, even if you have, uh, even if you have not done that thus far. We want you to know that we believe in you. And, uh, and 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 Jed has said this on the podcast before, but I know that we, you know, we pick up new listeners all the time, and this was months and months ago. So it's it's worth saying again that when, when the Bible was written, people were getting married. I mean, like right after puberty set in, yeah. you know, arranged marriages happen. And as soon as they had figured out what, you know, what sex was about and that they really, really wanted to do it, they were, it, it was a green light. It was all go. And, uh, and so, you know, it's worth saying. And, and so I'm going to say it that, that the idea of, of walking, you know, uh, walking through your life in a godly way and handling your hormones and your desires and your body and everything in in the way that God is calling you to and the way that he is leading you to, let's just be honest it is a hard road man he is asking yeah, you to do yeah. something that is difficult this is hard but uh, know that we believe you we're for you god is for you he is not against you he's not afraid of your hormones he's not afraid of your desires he gave them to you he's on your side he wants you to he wants to walk you through this thing so there is grace he understands that we're made of dust he knows it's hard and at any point at any point no matter what the past has been you can say i want to do that that thing starting now and you can it's a fantastic point i want to throw one uh just
0: real practical thing in here a lot we talk a lot on the podcast about the need for strategy and how willpower will never overcome bad strategy and uh so you say saying the question and like glenn said the one thing the one thing the bible is intensely clear on is intercourse outside of marriage is a no-no And here's the weird thing about your question in that sense, and a lot of people who might want to try something like, we'll talk about oral sex specifically, you seem to have a lot of faith in your ability to throw on the brakes between oral sex and intercourse. And let's just look at that from a super uh, boldly strategic (laughs) standpoint. You are already naked and having orgasms. You're going to have intercourse. That's going to happen. That's a guarantee. Yeah, one leads to the other. Yeah, where, you know, you're not really setting the good boundaries here. Even if oral sex is fine, let's just think very strategically about that. And that's one of those things that you have to think about that. You have to talk about that beforehand. And we don't want that for you. Again, like Glenn, as Lee was just saying, not because it makes you dirty or damage goods or soul ties or any of that crap, but because we've all been around a little bit and we've seen that uh, that's something you will regret probably. We don't want that for you. Uh, you know, have, have a good head on your shoulders about where to draw some boundaries. I totally agree with what Jed was saying, what all these guys are saying about letting the Lord call, your, call the shots in those life. But uh, I will add on from a very practical end, it's a lot easier to ask the Lord to extend a boundary than to retract it when you've already gone past it. All right, we're going to go to our last question here. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says... How do you find the balance between a culture of grace and enforcing discipline and tough love? I ask this with regard to things like raising children, running a business, and dealing with people who might want to take advantage of you. I want to extend grace, but at the same time, I don't want to be a doormat. Jed, can you start us off? It's
2: a great question. I really appreciate you writing it in. Uh, Here's the thing is that grace is a gift. Um, And if you're not giving something as a gift, it's not grace. Uh, So that's... That's an initial barometer. If it feels to you like something that's being demanded of you, it's not grace. Uh, If it feels like something that um, is being stolen from you against your will, it's definitely not grace. If If it feels like something that someone is conning you out of it's not grace. Mm-hmm. Grace is a gift. And, and right. you know how a gift works. A gift is you decide to give it, you decide how big it will be, how much it will cost, and then you give it. That's a gift. Um, and, that's, and grace, whenever grace occurs, grace is always a gift, no matter what. Um, you've mentioned a few examples here, and I think we need to be clear that these are very different things. So, so you brought up uh, raising children. Well, here's the thing: is your kids um, need to obey you? Um, yes, they, they need to love you, and, and they you know you you certainly want them to respect you and, and you know look up to you and whatnot. But they they actually do need to obey you. I mean, that's just there's a there's a functional thing there. You know, I mean, you know, you're you're charged with uh, their safekeeping. Um, and so, um, you need to tell them to not wander out in the middle of the street without looking, and they need to obey you on that, otherwise we're gonna have a problem. Um, and you, uh, insisting that you be obeyed on that is not a lack of grace, that's just you owning your position. You're, you're the parent, you're the one who's in charge. Now, you can be the one in charge in a really jerky way, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you can be the one in charge in a really cold and, and, um not at all understanding way, but you do need to be the one in charge. I mean, that's, right. and it would, it would be an ungodly thing to say, I'm not going to be the one in charge because that feels, that just feels a little prideful. I mean, maybe my three-year-old <laughs> child, maybe they know things. Right. I don't, who's to say? Right. Well, you're to say, you're, you're the parent. Right. It's, it's a similar thing. Um, you know, you, you brought up that you run a business. If you're the boss, uh, your job is to tell people what to do. Um, that's, <laughs> that's the whole thing, man. Right. It's that's, that's your game. And the thing is, if you don't tell people what to do, you're actually not being loving to them because if you're the one running the business and you don't give good instructions, that business ceases to exist. And then that employee doesn't have a job anymore. Um, and even though it may be felt loving to not, um, you know, I don't want to be the kind of boss that gives orders <laughs> or tells people what to do. You know, I want to be the kind of boss you want to have a beer with. You just right. hang out? Right. That's what I'm looking for? And that feels really touchy-feely in the moment until they don't have a job anymore right. because we've gone out of business, right? right? So it's important to know who, what is your role in the situation and, and within that, who's the Lord calling you to be? Um, there's a way to be a godly boss, there's a way to do that uh, I, I know there is um, I I have a godly boss and um, I have, he's amazing he is amazing <laughs> and I have people that that report to me and I work very hard to be a godly boss to them um, and
0: oh Jed's amazing at being a boss too thank you um,
2: <laughs> w- once more with feeling um,
0: Jed's amazing at being a boss
2: this <laughs> summer one man is. A godly boss, and I'm
0: sure that what makes both Jed and Glenn godly bosses is how touchy-feel they are. Oh yeah, how much they're willing to hear your opinion. <laughs> yeah, Glenn loves when people have ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: uh, here's, here's the thing Here, here's what I'm saying is you need to know what are the duties that have been entrusted to you uh-huh. and whatever right. your role is, you're the parent, you're the boss um, you know, you're the, the supervisor what are the duties that have been entrusted to you there is a godly way to discharge those duties, uh-huh. there's a merciful way to discharge those duties but you have to discharge those duties or you suck As a boss and a parent and an employee and a supervisor. And here's one more thing is sometimes you've got to be cruel to be kind. Um, When people are doing something that's going to hurt them and you're in a position of authority over them um, and you don't say anything, you're not showing them kindness. Let me say that again. When people are doing something that's going to hurt them, they're headed in the wrong direction. The little Timmy is three years old and about to sprint out into the road, even though there's traffic coming. And you're in a position where you're the one in charge, e.g. you're a parent or a boss. And you don't grab little Timmy by the hand and yank his hand real hard so he gets the message. That's, that's an unkind thing. Right. You, you've not done Timmy any uh, uh, favors at all. The truth is um, part of being the person in charge is having to be the bad guy. Um, no right. no one likes that. No right. one likes being the bad guy. But uh, a, a person who is a, a godly authority knows that that is sometimes the most loving thing you can possibly Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Right. Um, and if you're not sure you kind of when you need to be the heavy, when you need to be the bad guy, that's okay. That's no problem. And that's, a, that's something we can work on, we can look at, we can get some godly counsel on. But make no mistake, there comes a time when the only right and only good and only loving thing is to be that heavy. Let me say this real quick, and I'm going to throw it to Matt is I have, uh, I've worked for Glenn for a long time, and um, I have, uh, not often, but I have in that employ, I have screwed things up um, and made mistakes, and, and I have had occasions where I needed to be chewed out. I deserve to be chewed out. I have been chewed out. And understand when I tell you, if you've never been chewed out by a Glenn Fitzgerald, I don't know that you've ever truly been chewed out. (laughs)
0: There's Um, a combination of Irishness and having worked with prisoners for twenty years that really boils that process down. Don't forget Texas. There you go. All
2: right. Here's what I want you to know about that is I respect. The fact that Glenn uh, uh, cuffed me real hard when he did, I deserved it. It was the right move. I learned from it. I'm a better man for it. Um, it gave me an example of how to cuff people hard when they need it, which I've had to do, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's that's right. part of life. Um, and I don't uh, sit around simmering with resentment towards Glenn. Right. I don't sit around going, you know, you'll know, you never believe what he said to me those several years ago. <laughs> right. That was the right thing. And here's what you know is if you will be that godly person and authority of the people in your life, they're not going to resent you either. That's not how that works. They they
3: will come to appreciate the fact that you had the courage to tell them what they needed to hear.
0: Excellent point,
3: Lee. Okay, um, man, I love the stuff that Jed said on that, and really the only thing I'm going to do is just kind of build on it and bring kind of my angle into it, and one thing is, uh, you know, I have a I have an interesting position as a pastor. Um, you know, I, I'm like the you know, the 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 leader of the worship team at our church or whatever. And so I've got a team of volunteers that I have to lead. And that's a totally different thing than being a boss. And yet you still have this position of authority and trying to decide when to have confrontation and stuff like that. Another situation is just leading like a, a Bible study of of you know high school or middle school kids that come to this thing, they don't have to be there, that kind of deal. And when do you when do you have to, you know, pull somebody aside and do do whatever you gotta do. And here's what I would say is, when you have to have confrontation, and this is something you've heard Glenn say before if you've been listening to the podcast, and I love it. When you have to have confrontation, now is the cheapest that confrontation's ever going to cost. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's going to cost. It's going to be hard. Do it now. Do it as quick as you can. One thing I heard Jed say on the podcast way in the early days, and I love it, I've been using it ever since, is when you do have to, when you do have to cut somebody, cut clean, cut deep. Don't yeah. when you got to pull somebody aside, don't tell them everything about them that annoys you. Okay? Don't tell them everything about them that annoys you. Tell them the the one thing that they, that you have to confront them about right now on that deal. Cut only the things you have to do and get it all the way down. Get the whole the last 10% get everything out of there. And here's the last thing on that. This is the thing that I've gotten better at over the years and learned is if you have to really confront somebody about something, the thing that they need to know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, because sometimes you're gonna have to climb up in somebody's grill and do the thing, okay? And you're gonna have to insist on your way, and this is the way it's gonna be. I had to pull a kid aside after a Bible study and say, What you just said in there, do you remember it? Don't ever do that again. You can never do that again. Never, ever. Do you understand what I'm saying to me? Not anything like it. Don't ever do it again. I never want to hear it. It's never happening again, period. Are we clear? And it was like, yes, we're clear. Now, one of the reasons I was able to do that, and that kid still comes, is because in every other situation, I pour out love like it's my job, because it is my job. There you go. So here's what I'm saying. You, every now and then, you're going to have to have some confrontation. You ensconce that confrontation with love and service and encouragement. And we're not talking flattery. We're talking actual encouragement. Hey, man, just this is what I love about you. You're awesome at this. And it's that I, it's so awesome to see you here. It's so cool that you're here because I love you and it's great. And just so you know, I love you, man. And I'm praying for you. And this is what I'm praying for you about because I love you. Just surround those moments of confrontation, if I've got to have a confrontation with a person once in a three-month period, I want every other day of those three months to be absolute charity, grace, love. I want to serve them. I want them to walk away from that going, man, that was a tough confrontation that we just had, but I have no choice but to believe that he's totally head over heels about me because he takes care of me and loves and serves me all the time in in any other situation. And to me, that is the balance of what you're talking about, a a, a culture of grace and confronting when you need to, cutting clean, cutting deep, is just surround that with love all the time so that when you got to do it, they know where that's coming from. Amen. Amen. I love when Jed comes up with original thoughts that are amazing. Yes. He
0: is a fount of wisdom with no source. Yes. Glenn, do you have any thoughts? Would you like to quote Jed, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs>
3: wow. To be fair, I hope white. he stole it first on the podcast, apparently. Yeah,
1: that's that would be correct. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um,
1: You're all welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in delivery, though, I said. <laughs> anyway, um, here's what I would say is... Um, sacrifice has a purpose. There's a reason for it. It It achieves something. If you're making a sacrifice or or telling yourself that you're making a sacrifice and nothing is being achieved and nothing is likely to be achieved, you have become a doormat. You're being used and you're enabling someone else. And that's not godly. That's not good. That's not being sacrificial. Uh, If you're saying, I'm making this sacrifice. I'm 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 denying myself this something, but there's a benefit to someone else. Then there's a possibility of that being a good choice. But a lot of people I see that are worried about being a, a doormat. They're they're sacrificing their s- sanity and happiness and patience and peace and all that, and nothing's being gained by that. It's just kind of, you know, fending off a tough discussion and confrontation they don't want to have. So that's there's nothing godly there. Uh, the second thing I'll point out is uh, similar to what Jed was saying, you have to know what the priorities are. You know, you have to understand what's what's the higher priority. So, for example, um, you know, uh, we have a service where you have guys coming in off the streets, guys, guys coming in uh, uh, out of the, uh, you know, jailhouse and stuff, rehabs, and all sorts of different states. And some of them we know, some of them we don't and occasionally, very rarely, but every now and then we'll have a problem, and I have to confront someone who's a foot taller than I am and bigger and scarier and whatever and all that, and I have to tell them they need to immediately stop what's going on. And you know what's funny is when I do that, there's always this, are you telling me I can't do what I want in church? (laughs) And uh, uh, so it's this, uh, uh, this sense of, I think the priority is I get to do whatever I want. That's because it's church. What I explain back to them is actually the priority is that the focus of this service is on God. It is now on you and your funky behavior. You have taken the focus off of God, put it on you. That's thing number one. Thing number two is I don't know who told you that church is a free-for-all, but it's not. (laughs) Thing number three is I'm responsible before God for what happens in that room. You could call that church. You can call that my house. You could call it God's house. You could call it whatever you want. But I stand before the throne for what happens in that room. And you are not going to act funky on my watch and take this whole thing down. And I got to explain that to God. So, no, you are not going to be acting in this way in church uh in this building, in whatever you want to call whatever is about to happen there, but what i'm what I'm asserting is not my will versus his will. I'm saying this is what the priority is. what you're you you think uh, doing whatever you want to do is a high priority, and that doesn't even sound right. I'm trying to tell you the focus being on the Lord is the higher priority, and that's what it needs to be around. That makes that confrontation uh, stick a whole lot more. And it gives you a guide for when are you stepping in or when are you not? Because here's the thing, and this is the main thing I want to tell you, is to understand that people have a way of pushing every boundary. Uh And here's the thing I want you to think about this. If you're going to be a boss, if you're going to be in a position of authority, is to recognize that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily something you have to be angry about or resent some of the, uh, some of the best people I know push boundaries. The people that work for me push every boundary that there is for amount of sleep that a human being needs. The, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the balance of what's too much work and too much rest and they get it on the too much work side. Everyone here is being quiet because they know I'm right. Uh, it, but they push every boundary every direction they're doing everything to the max they're they're doing they're they're, they're striving so it, it, there's something good about that quality in a funny kind of way i don't really want a lot of people around me that just never do anything to break out and push any boundary going any direction people have a way of pushing boundaries don't resent them for that don't be upset about that recognize they're gonna do it sooner or later they're gonna if if you're saying the boundary is everybody be cool in staff meeting someone will not be cool in staff meeting if the boundary is nobody make an offensive joke someone will make an offensive joke or everyone <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> this will happen okay to so as a boss you expect boundaries will be pushed And we don't resent people for pushing those boundaries, but we do strictly enforce those boundaries. We do let people know sometimes it's good to give them a little warning if that's possible, but we do let them know you are pushing up on that boundary. Dude, you need to throttle back. You need to pump your brakes. You're about to get yourself in a a situation where I'm going to have to really yell at you. This is not cool. And so on and so forth. So I think the problem is more in the resentment that you have to confront someone a resentment of why are they pushing these boundaries. And I think that's actually an unhealthy way of looking at it. People yeah. will push boundaries and that's in in a weird way it can be kind of oddly healthy and good. So that's what I'd say on this subject.
0: I think that's an absolutely great point. I would tack on that just real quick. And this goes to uh, Glenn's point about the kind of confrontations that I've seen happen at the bridge. A lot of people in life, and you mentioned some folks in this question about when you're running a business, people trying to take advantage of you, a lot of people going through this world are just trying to find out where the line is, and they'll keep going until someone stops them. Yeah. yeah. The majority of confrontations that I have seen, in a healthy confrontations I've seen in a church, personal, whatever context, boil down to just about, it's not like that. That's not what we're doing. And the amount of people who realize, have a radar for when they can't get away with stuff anymore, would shock you. Yeah, You don't have to go, as Glenn will say a lot of confrontation, you don't have to go right to chewing somebody out. You don't have to go right to anger. You can just, I see what you're trying to do. It's not going to happen. I'm the boss. Stop it. Sometimes it's just that easy. You don't have to jump on it, but you have to be willing to draw that boundary. That's what that's all about. All right. We appreciate you listening. Just remember our bridge box service. You can support missionaries for only $8 a month and get a ton of cool stuff for yourself as well. Music, sermons, Bible studies, videos, devotionals, some bonus stuff here and there. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: Lick the Oreo.
3: Oh, wow man.